0: Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, Please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. So in today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Louis, aka Moontide. He is a multi-instrumentalist, DJ, storyteller, collector of obscure sounds, um, and I guess all round artist and producer. So welcome to the podcast, Louis. Thank you for coming on and chatting to me.
1: Thank you, Vicky. It's good to be here (laughs) with you.
0: Let's start from the beginning and give people a bit of a context on your relationship with music, where it all started and how you've got to the point of being Moontide.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty long one, but I'll summarize it uh, as quick as I can. I kind of started out playing guitar from a really young age and um, yeah, I was trained kind of more in classical style guitar and that was very much my... Um, yeah focal point of music for a long time as well and through that living growing up in like the Byron Bay area um, yeah funnily enough like hardcore music is really popular up there with bands like Parkway Drive and um, yeah I was very active and involved in that scene for a little while like a few years playing in bands and just going to a lot of shows and um yeah (laughs) it's very far from where i am now and i still really listen like i really like that music and i'll listen to it um for more nostalgia but yeah yeah, through that i got into like more electro music and electronic music through my brother and psytrance is very popular up there as well so um yeah into that and then started producing music around then as well like more i kind of got over playing in bands and like relying on others as well to kind of show up and started learning like how to record a band myself at home and um, yeah, through that discovered, yeah, I turned 18 and discovered nightclubs and yeah, really changed my life. Like also around that time, one of my best friends actually jumped on my like flamenco guitar and broke it and I didn't get another guitar until I think three years ago. So I didn't play guitar. I played guitar for about 15 years and then... So literally literally your
0: friend (laughs) jumping on your guitar, you're like, this has killed... My relationship (laughs) with guitar.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, he kind of puts his hand up to say, like, he always points out where I am now with my music. (laughs) He takes the credit. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, well, if I didn't jump on your guitar at that house party, like, maybe you'd never be, you would have never gotten to electronic music. So, yeah. And through that, I kind of, yeah, electro was like the entry point for me with my production and, then moving to Melbourne, I was really inspired by like more of the like minimal techno scene and in particular, like the more melodic side with like stimming and really quirky style and that kind of like Nicholas Jar and Trento and music like that just really stuck out to me. So I started kind of producing a lot more music from like sounds around the house and getting more into that field and like kind of discovered killing time as well Mm -hmm. on chapel street and that was like uh, that was the first place I walked into when I moved to Melbourne so great place to um, start (laughs) yeah and it's really became like it was very much at that time like family and a home for me like I was there I was working there I dj'd there um even like was security there sometimes like cameras. Yeah, someone that really showed me the ropes of Melbourne. Um, and then, yeah, after going overseas and travelling a lot more, I kind of just, yeah, started to slow my sound down, like, about four or five years ago. And, like, yeah, mintad was kind of born out of that. Um, Where did the yeah, name come there? from?
0: Out of curiosity. Uh,
1: <laughs> it came from I was living in Thailand and me and my partner at the time were trying to, like, I never thought I would release this music and I just did a podcast for these, um, for like an online magazine under my old name and then I decided to change it last minute and we were walking along the beach in Thailand, it's very romantic, hmm. um, <laughs> walking along the beach in Thailand and I was just explaining how the tides work with like the the moon cycle. And oh right, nice, it, Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is like a full moon tide. And then she just looked at me and she was like, that's what you should call that music that you've been making. And, yeah, it's fitted really well. Like it flows so much more. It's become deeper and deeper the longer longer I've had it. And it's made it a lot more understanding, like, astrologically with, like, my, like, birth chart. And, yeah, it's been pretty cool to, like, dissect it a little bit more. So, yeah, it feels really aligned.
0: Yeah, that's something that you're into then, a bit of numerology and... And uh, astrology
1: and whatnot. Um, Yeah, I've been into it for quite a while. Mm. And yeah, it's my partner that I'm with now is also studying astrology as well. So it's kind of made me go a lot deeper with it and draw a lot of lines into like, yeah, the connections with my music and why I've also been like attracted to more Um, like working with water, like the production of Moontide is predominantly like all the percussion is like sampled from water sounds and it's been like that from the get-go. Yeah. And then, yeah, seeing like um, Cancerian and seeing that's a a sign that's ruled by water and um, moon, uh, the planet of Cancer is the moon, so... Yeah, just just kind of has evolved, and it's made it feel really aligned with who I am, but also with the music too. Like I feel like I thought it could be a bit like a bit too woo woo initially. (laughs) 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 Like I'm into spirituality, and I love it so. Like it's very it's very important to like the fundamentals of who I am, but it's not something I like to wear too much like on my sleeve. It's just something that I've tried to integrate into who I am and. Yeah, I was a bit worried that, like, it still happens a lot. Like, I've been booked to play on the full moon, like, so much. Like, like, ecstatic dances, and people are like, oh, I've got this really cool idea. Um, We're going to book Moontide on the full moon. And I'm like, oh. It still has that connotation with that kind of world, which I do like, but... um, yeah, it's when, I'm, when it comes to getting booked at other events, sometimes people expect me to be like a certain way and yeah, it's interesting. Well,
0: obviously it obviously organically manifested itself, like you said, in quite a romantic way on a beach in Thailand, but <laughs> you've mentioned um, sampling water in your tracks and things like that. Where does that, I guess, obsession for obscure sounds come from and um, is it predominantly water or do you experiment quite a bit with all different types of sounds?
1: It started off like I lived on a lake in Guatemala for over a year. I think it was a, yeah, it was about a year I was there. And, yeah, it was when I was... I, I just have always wanted to make something that I didn't think anyone else could create and by recording sounds wherever they may be, um, yeah, I just thought that that was a really cool like to make a kick drum out of something that wasn't a drum machine and to do different things like that just felt really enticing to me and then water in particular like it can be flowing frozen still and just by I love just the idea of water and um yeah so it started with that and I was just I recorded all the first tracks with sounds from the lake so. I was like flicking the water and just realized how nice it was to work with the elements. And since then, I've branched out a lot, like I made a track. Yeah, I usually pick an element or something like that and try to write the music around that and record the sounds from there. And even in my like when I play at festivals and things like that, I often go and record the the land or something yep. just to kind of have that energy flowing through the music a connection um, to
0: I guess the environment that you're going to be playing in
1: yeah and I feel like it sounds kind of I just want that to be resonated out through the speakers as well like I feel like that almost gets lost like when you're at a festival you can't really hear the sound of the land so much you can feel it but that essence of it kind of gets lost because all you can hear is like the music going 24 hours a day. So I was trying to find like a quiet time of the weekend to go either walk out into the forest or walk near the river or do something like that and record that and then put that into my set, layered into my set as well. Mm, um, nice. Yeah, so it's definitely been a really important part of my music for quite a while. Um, and yeah, I still work like that as well.
0: I mean, we've chatted before and Rainbow Serpent was obviously your first festival that you played as Moontide. What was your first experience of festivals and was that something that ignited your passion for music even more and wanting to play festivals or did it always naturally feel like somewhere you were going to go once you were kind of into electronic music?
1: Yeah, my first experience was jumping. We used to go every year when I was young. Um, and, and jumped the fence to the Blues Fest <laughs> in Byron Bay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was definitely my first experience of a festival and like I loved that and I think that even I see so much of that in my music now with Moontide. It's like, you know, it's Blues Festival but it's also got so much world music there and um, just being in there and, you know, seeing people like Ben Harper and John Butler and all those massive acts bb king it just yeah it ignited something in me that thought like oh like one day i'd really like to be up there or i want to be involved in this industry in some way and like for such a small town having like splendor in the grass and blues fest um to like massive festivals so i grew up around festivals but that really kind of put it into perspective for me like what a big audience like what music does to a large amount of people and as well art like just seeing so many creatives kind of come together to create this thing that so many people get enjoyment out of um well it's a a platform of
0: communication isn't it I guess a bit like music you know festivals are that platform I guess for artists and then um you know the artists through their music offer that platform to, you know, all the punters that are going to festivals and there to express, et cetera. So, you know, it's kind of this nice exchange, I feel.
1: Mm, Totally. The way that the festival is curated, it just holds that space for people to almost express themselves truly. And uh, I think that's what's almost addictive for a lot of people to go to a festival is like, oh, like that's a weekend I can really let go of like, you know, my job or like all these different things that are kind of conditioning us to be a certain way and we can all go out and dance and celebrate. Mm. Um, It's
0: almost like you can relinquish labels that might be put on you in everyday life.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say like with like you see that with like, you know, the Australian festival scene, it's like it's very quirky and... You've, like it's a very colourful crowd, I feel like, compared to a lot of other countries when you go there to the festivals. And yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, it just feels so great to see so many people like expressing themselves however they want, you know.
0: Yeah, I feel it's like almost, because obviously I'm originally from the UK, I feel like it is almost kind of changing now a bit more in Europe from, you know, me seeing my friends kind of doing a lot of festivals and things like that in the UK. So I feel like that kind of colourful nature as much as for me, when I first came to Australia, it was very new and it felt um, inherently Australian. I feel like it has started to <laughs> like translate across the globe um, and people are becoming a bit more colourful and expressive through their attire and in what they wear at festivals. Um, <laughs> if you were going to a festival, whether it's you're playing or you're just going there kind of as a punter yourself, where do you get drawn to where do you is it always find do we always find you on the dance floor? Are you off exploring the art and what do you enjoy most when you get to experience them? Um,
1: probably I would say <laughs> I love eating at festivals <laughs> for sure <laughs> especially yeah the food that's often curated is from all over the world, and I feel like you can go and like yeah really explore as well like different cultures through their food. Um, but yeah, I really like to spend a lot of time in the workshop space and go into different workshops and learn new things, whether it be permaculture or all sorts of things. Like it's getting so amazing in Australia, like with the way that the workshop spaces are slowly starting to get like curated properly. And mm-hmm. like there's been a lot of like effort put into that space, which feels good. Um, I'd like to, yeah, try and find the area where, like, the First Nations people have their space set up and just go and, like, learn about the land that you're on and the yeah. culture. And that's a pretty important thing for me. It's usually the first thing I do when I get there or try to go. Um, if I can't make the opening ceremony, yeah, go and, like, check in and land there properly. Um I used to just live for the dance floor, but I don't spend as much time there <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, I think anybody, yeah. as they
0: spend more time at festivals, they're like, okay, maybe I don't have to spend all my time on the dance floor. There is so much to explore. So I think that, yeah, kind of comes with age as as you go to festivals. <laughs> to be honest,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's just that classic way that your mind works. You know, the loudest thing yeah. in the room is generally going to be like where your attention goes. The first few times you go to something, and I think now, like you know, going into the art space and just spending time, like walking around, checking out the sculptures, and um, and yeah, the chill floor, I really like to spend. Like I feel like that's where I connect the most with other people at the festival, is because it's got a good mix of like you can you know, slow down there and, like, sit down and still listen to music, but you might talk to the person next to you and, yeah. I kind of weirdly have been getting back into trance music as well, like, to dance to someone. Usually, <laughs> Having a resurgence. A <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's the slower my music gets, the faster the music's getting that I listen to. My <laughs> festival. It's really jarring for my um, body.
0: And is that kind of... <laughs> Do you feel like that's just something that you're wanting to listen to more and experience at festivals or is it something that you're actually like playing at home and and delving into and it is just that resurgence and are we going to hear that sort of music from you in the future? Is is it (laughs) going (laughs) to?
1: I have thought about it, no. (laughs) No, I don't listen to it at home. I think it's just for me I find, yeah, like I'm not so much a person that goes out to nightclubs and things like that so – no one is at the minute I try and just find (laughs) yeah it's true (laughs) I try and find like really the space that's going to inspire me the most like and often like I listened I spent so much time in nightclubs in the past and like listening to techno and I still at certain festivals will go and if yeah listen to techno and do that whole thing but I usually will try and find like a band stage or like somewhere with like a bit more of an alternate kind of music selection if I'm going to go dance. And yep. yeah, go see something new because I feel like I spent the first like five, six years of going to festivals. I spent pretty much at the same stage like or doing similar things. So now it's more about like trying to get the most out of the weekend and. Like I only just recently learned that you could get like free massages at Rainbow Serpent, and and (laughs) that was like, I was like, what has this been going on the whole time that I've been coming here? I had no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I've,
0: I've had my very own amazing experience of massages um at rainbow on sunset <laughs> stage just a random guy whipping out a massage table next to me and then everyone started massaging one another so it was like 12 person massage I think it's probably the most ultimate massage you could get at a festival <laughs> not sure that he's there every year so I can't guarantee that anybody else will be able to experience that but um wow. yeah it's like burning seed um I did that uh, last year, actually, for the first time, which was a really amazing and different type of festival to do. I don't know if you've been there. Um, mm, I have never been. Yeah, it's just beautiful, actually, all the different things that people bring as their kind of gift um, to share with people, you know, whether it's massages, there's a whole human car wash where everyone gets naked to shower. Um, there's, like, <laughs> different stages. Like, you, you dream it up and it will be there. So if you're into kind of, I guess, exploring and feeling inspired in all different shapes and forms. That's an amazing festival, I think, that's you know created by in the individuals that attend. That's a really mm. beautiful one to um, try. I guess, yeah, it's the, the sister of Burning Man in America. But from those who I kind of know who've been to it, they've said it's kind of uniquely Australian. Um, so that's definitely worth mm. one checking out, I have to say.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. I feel like it's... Each time it's on, it's always just a little bit before I get home from overseas, but I'm going to definitely try and go. Hopefully, they. I, w- I wonder if they'll do it this year, probably not here.
0: No, I think it'll probably mainly be next year. I think they've actually gone out and said that um, it's not on for this year, but fingers crossed 2021 will, <laughs> will bring <laughs> us more festivals and events and just even being able to go out more, I guess. Um, I mean, like the last time I actually saw you was at Night Cat which was the back end of last year with Stavros. When did mm. you actually get to play live or DJ last? Did you get to do much before ISO kicked in?
1: No, like this whole summer has been, this summer I just booked predominantly festivals and things like that. Like, and just decided to play less, but just do the festivals. And then all the fires happened So, um, I, over the summertime. So the last time I played, Probably live. I played on New Year's Eve and then I played, yeah, I think I played a couple of times in January. But yeah, it's been my actual last proper live show. I think when I played with like all of my gear, was Stavros. I think yeah, okay. Then Subsonic was like I think the week after. Then it got cancelled and then everything just started to get cancelled after that. Um, It's been a while. I did like an online festival, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. That was a good show, though.
0: Yeah, that was so much fun. I have to say, like, it was really nice. It was kind of just after Strawberry, and I needed another fix. <laughs> I was like, oh, perfect! I can go to Nightcat. But it was just such a great energy. There was a really good crowd. It was, I think, it was like a Thursday but it felt like a full swinging Saturday. Everyone was like really vibing it, having a great time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good show. Mm. So how has it been in ISO? Has it been challenging or has it just allowed you more space to work on music and whatnot? You have obviously released Our Youth, which is your latest album, and you recorded and released that during ISO. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it. it I felt like, I've talked to a lot of people that have had, like, similar thoughts and, like, when we actually got put into lockdown, like, there were so many options initially. Like, I'm grateful to be living, like, in a country as privileged as Australia where we're kind of, yeah, able to still, like, it it seems pretty safe and obviously, like, it's to be taken seriously, but it's like there hasn't been so many cases here. The government, like, looks after everyone pretty well um so initially like i had all these projects that i lined up and like i was like i'm gonna do this gonna do that i'm gonna learn like spanish and do all these different things and like i just didn't do anything for a while and then yeah i kind of just challenged myself to make like an album in a few weeks so i just yeah recorded it all and mixed it all and got the artwork and everything together and i had been kind of putting together recordings that were kind of written around like the protests that happened with uh, the climate rally at the start of the year and I'd like recorded different chants and written like kind of a couple of more like protesty style tracks and um, just wanted to like reflect like what it would be like for the youth to be growing up in today, like in a world that's just kind of like, madness it feels like and yeah I just decided to put that intention into the music over like the three weeks or so and yeah it just flowed out really quickly and yeah it felt good to have a project and to finish something in the time but to be fair like my life style like I sit inside and make music all the time anyway so it's good of felt pretty much the same like I haven't seen my friends as much but Yeah, it's felt like a really, um, yeah, like a really great time. It's going to be so much art coming out of this whole thing, I think, next year.
0: I mean, that's what's helped me give birth to this podcast. Um, I'm blessed that that I had the luxury of, you know, being in full-time work, working from home. Um, But ISO really gave me the opportunity to have headspace and being like, okay, how else can I show up in the world and... I've always loved storytelling, so I was like, right, now's the time. Let's get the podcast rolling. Um, But it's just giving people lots of time to reflect and create space for new projects or, you know, new ideas to rise up. And I think it's really important um, for us to think about, you know, how we can support communities, what messages we want to share and and how they can come to life, really.
1: I really felt that with the album, too. It was like when it got released, it was kind of that... I forgot that people actually supported, like, music and paid for it and it doesn't – like, I felt a really big shift. Like, it was the first time, like, I just saw people actively buying and wanting to support the arts, you know, because I feel like they've been so important in – yeah, when everyone's been in isolation, like, it's kind of, like, comes back to, like, oh, and now we're starting to see, like, where art serves us and, like – um yeah we see it in so much of the way that even the protesting is happening and like all these different things like it all comes back down a lot of it is based around art and um how good it is to like get the message out through that space so it's yeah it's felt really yeah i've noticed that with this album release for sure like how much people just want to support those kind of things in a time like this
0: yeah because you've gone about this a bit differently haven't you in terms of the release It's been a bit more of a DIY approach compared to previous releases, whether that's been with promoters or record labels, et cetera. Has it been been a learning curve? Has it been enjoyable? Um, Obviously, you've seen that shift in support and people wanting to purchase music and be forthcoming. Um, But did it change the process at all?
1: Mm, I really enjoyed the, if anything, I think it was easier in the sense that actually pretty easy to like kind of all the back end kind of things it's pretty easy to get it organized once you know like you know there's websites that distribute everything for you and um like websites like Bandcamp are amazing and to write the music was pretty it just flowed out and i already understand like obviously how to mix down everything and all of that um and then yeah it was It was really empowering actually to just realise that you can do that by yourself and often like record labels are great for promotion and they definitely serve like a really important part of the industry um, in terms of like connecting you with different ways and teaching you as well. But I still feel at the end of the day like things often take a long time and the potency of the music like energetically like if you could – like often it might be a year until things are released or like six months or – And, yeah, I feel like it's a lot more potent to write and release art around the time that you made it. Like, it just energetically feels right. And also just to see, like, I don't worry too much about the monetary value of things, but when there's no record label in the middle too, like, you're directly hearing you know, everyone's kind of all the information is coming to you. So that's like people are sending you messages and they're, by the money that they spend on the album is going directly to you and you can see that. Whereas it's pretty rare that record label, like in order to get paid from a record label, often you're the one following them up. And just me seeing how empowering it was to see the money coming in and to see all the support and... Um, Yeah, it actually felt a lot easier than, and also like you don't really have anyone to answer to, so.
0: Well, that's always great. Yeah,
1: there's a song with just piano on it and just for the record levels that I've been on in the past, like they would never release that, like it's just me playing the piano and that just felt really great to be like, oh, this feels really authentic and, all my vulnerability is going on here, but also that feels really good too, like just to be able to share in that way. And at the end of the day, that's what I feel like art is too. So um, not to have that middleman there felt really amazing.
0: Mm, Nice. You've mentioned art quite a bit and um, you know, whether that's exploring builds at festivals or the protests, which are a new form of expression at the moment, but how does art have an impact on your music?
1: Yeah, I just really like concepts and like concept plays like a really big role in my music and it's something that like going out and going to NGV and seeing someone take over like three floors with like one concept of art but kind of displayed in a lot of different ways, like that's what's inspiring to me and... Um, the more that I spend, like the less time I spend in like a nightclub per se, yeah, the more I've kind of pulled those, like that inspiration from different places. And I think I got that from traveling too. like, I would always go to the art galleries in different countries when I was backpacking and go and experience like, yeah, cause that's often like a true reflection of the past and the present times of that country like you can see it so much in the way that's through painting or song or so yeah it's definitely a really important part of my music and where I gain like so much inspiration from is yeah going out and experiencing theatre and yeah film and things like that.
0: Where would you say is your happy place? I know that you're Probably less about clubbing at the moment, but is it festivals, art galleries, at home recording in your studio?
1: Yeah, definitely at home in my studio. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> massive <laughs> introvert, so for sure, like, on the beach, I suppose, is, like, pretty... You know what? Actually, I feel like hiking with headphones on is, like, probably my ultimate... Like, hiking by myself with headphones on is probably, like, my ultimate happy place. Like, some good music and... Yeah, nature. Like that combination to me is like the ultimate.
0: What would you listen to if you were on a hike?
1: Um probably like Neil's Fram, I think is a good like nature kind of vibe for sure. Um definitely like it's probably the place where I listen to techno the most though is like if I'm on a high like a hard hike, like you know going up the hills or something like that like definitely chuck on some rompers but other than that yeah I'm listening to like ambient music like more of the amb- more ambient style Apex twin tracks and um yeah
0: um obviously our youth is like you said it's been quite a an, uh, raw and authentic approach to music and was influenced by protests and things like that what's kind of the future and what's up next for you? I know it's kind of somewhat limiting given we're in ISO and you can't necessarily go abroad or um, even go to, you know, events and things like that. But where do you want to go next with Moontide?
1: I'm just in the process at the moment of, like, kind of putting together a band, just like a three-piece kind of keen to take it more in that route and... um, still do DJ sets at festivals and things like that, but I really will see Moontide like maybe moving it into like, kind of like a concert-y kind of vibe and like yeah, nice. kind of making it more of an experience and more experimental and not so dance floor orientated, but still pretty like, like, yeah, s- still electronic, but a mixture of the two and, um, like I have another album that is done. Pretty, It was actually meant to be the album I put out this year, but I just wanted to take more time to finish it. But it's really a lot more in that live field with like violin and cello and um, some live drums and some singing and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of the goal. So by the time, yeah, i hope to have a concert or something by the end of the year with the band.
0: Yeah, Um, nice. If
1: we can do that.
0: And so is that a kind of, I guess, a three-piece that you would use across like a whole album or would you interchange different types of musicians? Because I know that you've spoken before how you've worked with lots of different types of musicians, even on a very ad hoc (laughs) basis sometimes at festivals where people rock up at the side of the stage. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely have a core band that would play the album with me, like the same couple of... um, (laughs) the same couple of, yeah, people that would kind of form the core band and, like, I've definitely talk, been talking to a couple of people at the moment. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the album and writing that, like, some of the violin was recorded in Mexico, some of it was oh, recorded cool. in... Some of the cello was recorded in the US. Um, yeah, so it's very much recorded all over, but... Um, Just trying to work out how to recreate that live is kind of what I'm trying to do at the moment is, yeah, bring that to the, to a, I feel like there's also an expectation a little bit with my music to kind of make people dance in a certain way and yeah, just kind of shifting out of that and really wanting to move that into like the live world um, is something that's kind of important for me to just to keep it interesting and I obviously come from that background from playing in bands when I was younger. So, gone yeah, full circle. Really nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely not playing hardcore this time, but yeah. <laughs>
0: so who, kno- who knows? Who knows? You never know. There might be just a random track that comes to fruition that has hardcore <laughs> inspiration within it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it might have even happened. Hey, you know, it's <laughs> kind of interesting to see how it all melts into one after a while.
0: I guess like live obviously gives you a a very different kind of feeling. You've got others that are there with you on stage. And yeah, how does that sort of like feel for you? Do you have to approach it differently in that if you are going to be performing live, would you still have that sort of organic nature to how the performance um, transpires? Or would it be, okay, we're down pat, we know exactly what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, I really want to take it in the more experimental kind of world. Mm -hmm. So like having elements from my music and playing some of the tracks, like I suppose from start to finish in some form, but really creating like something that's quite more experimental and getting the right musicians there that you can say like, hey, we're going to jam on this for, you know, for a few minutes and see where it takes it. So it's different every time too. Like that's something for me like that I sometimes find is missing like in the more doof, um, you know, alternate festival, like festivals like Strawberry Fields and a couple of others that have like live music stages I think are really important. Like Yeah. I feel like I love DJing still, and it's still it's like very close to my heart. But that idea of like being able to—it's never the same twice, you know. It's always different in some form. And like I've seen Nils from like quite a few times now, and I just think like he's such a genius. And every time he plays, it's like a little—he plays kind of similar songs, but I've never heard them done the same time twice you know it's always quite different and that's been a big source of inspiration was like I don't want to get up there and when I play at the moment live I do do that a lot like it's pretty experimental anyway but it's pretty anxiety juicing inducing playing like different samplers and remembering how to play everything and trying to keep it different and not get in that safe space so I feel like by bringing on a couple of other people it's like adding two other people that could bring their own flair to as opposed to all coming through one person all the time I feel like it could be really exciting to just bring a couple of others on and kind of yeah push the tracks out a bit and see what else can what other stories can come out of them
0: yeah I guess well when you've got multiple people it's you're all bringing a different energy so like you say if you're because, you know, I'm sure it gets tiring, especially when you're doing a live performance, like you say, you, m- you could even get a bit of anxiety at times. It's nice to have that fallback for somebody to be able to, you know, then push forward and bring their energy to the forefront and, and kind of drive things in a, in a bit of a different way for a part of the song. So
1: this is kind of a funny moment at Strawberry Fields. I think it was three years ago. But, yeah, I was performing in like, this whole summer... I'd just been getting different people, random people to come and play with me when I would play live to bring in that energy, you know, to add mm. some different flair. And I didn't have any time to organise anyone at Strawberry. And then randomly this guy just came in with his saxophone <laughs> and just started jamming up the back of the crowd. <laughs> and I was like listening to him for like five minutes and some people were actually upset at him while I was playing and then I kind of could hear him and I was like, he actually knows what he's doing. Like he definitely <laughs> hasn't slept but he knows exactly what he's doing. So I pulled my microphone off my mic stand that I had that I sing into and I just dangled it like tried to tie it off and dangle it down over the front of the stage. It was on the beach stage. And yeah, he came up and he jammed into the microphone and I was recording it and then like looping it back and he didn't really know what was going on, but like <laughs> it was like just coming out the front of the speakers. And then I listened to it, back to it later, like I recorded the set and I had a video of him actually. And I watched the video and I was like, well, this looks like a lot of fun. And I listened to the recording and it just sounded like so organic. And mm. he was bringing his flavor and I was bringing mine and it just kind of seamlessly worked. And I never saw him ever again actually after <laughs> that, but... <laughs> If he's listening,
0: <laughs> totally man. jam again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Reach out. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that was a really awesome part. I was like, all right, like, that was a lot of fun. And I did that a lot over the summer, that rest of the summer. I was just getting different people to come up and play and um, jam with me. And, yeah, I just not that I'm bored of playing how I am at the moment, but it just feels like it could be more in some way. And that, yeah, I want to not be bogged down and doing the same thing for my whole life. Like I really want to push the envelope a little bit and bring some visuals in potentially too. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more interested in like making like a big, I don't even really feel like I need to be, like when I I hope I could get it to a point where I almost don't have to be on stage and like I can just kind of do my thing and like there's this whole like visual element to it which, yeah, is pretty dreamy at the moment but that's kind of where I'm trying to head.
0: I guess that supports the introvert within you, being able to to do your thing and then have everybody looking at, you know, some beautiful art whilst consuming your own art.
1: (laughs) Totally, yeah.
0: And so, like I say, we don't necessarily know when you can start doing that, but is that something that you kind of want to push forward with once we're out of ISO? And, I mean, it's probably going to be more stuff in 2021, but is it something that you will put energy into quite soon and immediately?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've been working on it at the moment. Like I think by the time ISO or like by the time the summer comes around, I think I'll have my other album out hopefully. So Yeah. I'm gonna have two albums out and during this time of like coronavirus. So yeah, it's something I'm definitely actively pursuing at the moment and putting a fair bit of time into. Um, So yeah, hopefully this summer, even if like it's not a festival, like doing like a concert or doing something um, over the summer just to see how it works and yeah. Definitely putting work into it at the moment for sure.
0: Nice. Is there any, I guess, um, key pieces of advice, whether it's like things that you've learned from in ISO, things that you've learned through, I guess, your transition from hardcore to electronic music to uh, from DJ to live performance. Is there any sort of, um, I guess, key nuggets that you would love to share with people who might find themselves at some part of a similar journey
1: Um, yeah, like I'd say the one thing I think about a lot is like how much I could have slowed down the process, like Mm -hmm. not rushing into it and not letting the ego get so involved, like in terms of, you know, signing a track to a record label and then, you know, getting hung up on how good that one track was or like how good that was, but just like kind of slowing down the process and, still lapping up those times but also seeing like a whole career ahead of you and um yeah moving and definitely like moving forward but just like kind of taking your time and like m- making sure like what you're doing is coming from a wholly authentic place i think is another one too is like really tuning into like what what resonates within you and what you want to give to the world. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah. I think it's a a very nice sentiment um, to share with individuals and I'm sure hopefully um, ISO has given people a good bit of time to actually slow down (laughs) and Mm. I guess just be – I think it definitely has made me look at – a lot around me and what I've got to be grateful for and, and really appreciate the small things um mm. like for me I've kind of been doing gratitude journaling for a while now and I found that that was something that was really amazing and really helped me um, I guess during this period just in processing it's kind of funny when you get to the end of a day and you think about what you're grateful for and what's been great that's happened in your day when predominantly most of your day has probably been spent inside (laughs) you're kind of like oh (laughs) what am I grateful for and it's amazing the sort of stuff that comes around like you know you appreciate those walks when you can get out in nature more for me like sitting in the garden hearing the birds being able to just meditate be still silence you know so there's I think yeah slowing down and just being able to um taking actually all the greatness that is around you and not moving at a million miles per hour is is definitely a, a wise piece of advice for many people. Um, I think we've kind of covered off a lot of things and I think that's a nice kind of area to land on and finish up on. Is there anything else you would like to, I guess, share or, um, yeah, finish on?
1: No, I just wanted to say thank you for, yeah, getting me on and also just hearing about, yeah the other podcasts that you have planned or might have already been on and just like yeah you're giving voice to like some of the other people that work within the festival community like the artists and things like that that do the sculptures and things like in that world like they often don't really get to speak or you don't really hear from them so yeah thank you for just yeah getting all these amazing people together and yeah yeah Having us on the show. Well,
0: Thank you for it coming on. Anybody, I guess, who's a musician that might see you on the bill at a festival in the future, I would say go head down play your sax near the stage you never know you might get (laughs) looped into a track and maybe maybe sax guy if he's out there please get in touch (laughs) please amazing thank you so much Louis Um, yeah it's been really great and fun chatting and I guess just hearing about your journey and relationship with festivals and music and and creativity so much gratitude to you thank you
1: Mm, thanks lovely.
0: tuning into creative connectors hopefully you enjoyed the chat if so please subscribe share with friends support the community and
1: tune into the next one